Even in the storm, Lord, we will continue to praise you. You are our King. You are our Father. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that owns on. There will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, Lord, still we will praise you. we don't see it Lord we know that you're moving even if we don't feel it Lord we know that you are moving Lord you're always working you're always working you're always moving Lord yes Lord you're working Lord even if you don't see it even if you don't feel it he is working that's our God he never stops working he doesn't sleep no slumber that's our God even if I don't see it you're working and even if I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it, you're working And even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working And even if I don't see it, you're working And even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working And even when I don't see it, you're working even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working And even when I don't see it, you're working And even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never 
worship you And you are here You're working in this place I worship you I worship you You're touching every heart, Lord And you are here You're touching every
As we turn our attention now to the Word of God, I felt to speak this morning on the topic of hope in a hopeless world. Hope in a hopeless world. I think, you know, the last two years, our countryality has really had us on many up and down journeys. And I think one of the things we've realized when we talk about words like resilience or concepts like resilience is that hope is very important. And it, for many of us, it's been like a real yo-yo effect, you know, up and down. You know, levels of restrictions are not, and yes, my business is taking off and I have opportunity to travel again, uh, and then restrictions come back, or as we are now, we're entering a fourth wave, and whether, you know, wherever those restrictions and things land, it does have an effect on our hope. Um, it's interesting for me, just our, how hope has this internal effect on me. Recently, I was able to travel outside of the province for the first time in, you know, since we've been allowed to do so again. And I found it quite interesting the effect it had on me internally to be able to do something that was previously regarded as normal. You know, imagine also being able to walk around in public without masks again and without fear, obviously. Uh, hopefully that's going to be something that comes in the future. Imagine being able to do that. And so hope is, our levels of hope have been affected in this time. And I wonder as you're watching this today, where your level of hope is. Now, hope is an important biblical concept. And as I started preparing, you know, one of the things I did is I tried to pull up all the scriptures on hope. And, you know, for example, in the NIV, there's over 180 times the word hope or some of its derivatives are used just in the NIV translation alone. So it's a topic that's not shied away from in scripture. It's spoken about quite often. You know, for example, 1 Peter 3 encourages, encourages us to be ready to give a reason for our hope. In Zechariah chapter 9, the Bible actually says that we're prisoners of hope. We're held captive by the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It, it, this hope hems us in. It, it shapes and it forms our very existence. 
Hope is what sustains and carries us through hard and difficult times. It was interesting for me to note in books like Job and the Psalms, which are quite emotive and often speak about the wrestles that, huma that humanity goes through or the hard times like, like Job went through, uh, there's quite a concentration of the word hope uh, in those books and obviously quite a bit more in the New Testament in terms of length in that space. But what is hope? Now, if we look at hope from a non-biblical perspective, you know, if you go to a dictionary or something like that, it will tell you it's a feeling of expectation or a specific desire for something to happen. In the past, hope and trust were quite equated in the, you know, in the older usages of the language. But what is hope? Is it, is it just a psychological necessity like we read about survivors of holocausts and traumas where if they could have hope, they could make it? Is it just a psychological necessity? Sometimes when we use the word hope, we actually just use it in the context of wishful thinking. Like, you know, I wish I could win a, a million rand or I wish it would rain or I wish those guilty of corruption would get punished, um, which hopefully is not wishful thinking. But sometimes hope is just associated with wishful thinking. And I think outside of the biblical framework, that's most often the space where hope is used as well. Often hope in these spaces is linked to personality. You know, some people or temperament. Some people are just more hopeful than others. Often it's linked to circumstance. Now, the Bible views hope a little bit differently. And as I was just scanning through and reading through most of those 180 verses that I mentioned earlier, one of the things that stands out about biblical hope that is different from, let's say, worldly hope is that hope is always in God or in Jesus or in God's promises or in what God is going to do. Hope is not self-generated or something that I desire internally. It's actually when I put my expectation on God and on God's promises, on something beyond or outside of myself. Uh, in the first book of Timothy, chapter 1, the first verse, it actually tells us that Jesus is our hope. So not only is our hope in God, it is in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope is highly personalized. Uh, Jesus' life that he lived gives me hope, and he himself is my hope and gives me hope as well. In Colossians 1.27, for example, it says that Christ in us, the Spirit of God living in us, Jesus living in us, is our source of hope for future glory as well. And so hope is always in God in the biblical perspective. So perhaps to help us today, uh, as I reference some scholars and things like that, to start with the working definition of hope. Now, it was quite interesting. I also went on the internet and I typed up a few searches on hope. I'd probably advise you don't do that because as soon as you get into these blogs, it's quite interesting the different perspectives, even in Christian circles, that, that is presented on hope. It's like one of these big rabbit holes that I would encourage you not to jump down. But if you go to some reliable sources, I think this is a good working definition of hope. It says this, that hope is waiting in confident expectation for God's promises in Christ as they summed up in the gospel, so as they summed up in our message of the New Testament. It's a confident expectation for God's promises in Christ to come through. So hope is waiting for God to act graciously and powerfully on our behalf as he has done in the past. This is how Stephen Spencer uh, defines or describes hope. So it's this confident expectation in what God has said he would do. The Christian view then is not that hope is linked to temperament or circumstances. Hope is linked to God. It's rooted in God. 
Something interesting, else interesting, well, I thought it was interesting that I observed as I was doing the word study on hope, is that particularly in the New Testament, hope is often linked or, uh, and intertwined with faith and love. Uh, so faith, hope, and love go together, very much at least in Paul's understanding. They're not always three separate things. They're interdependent and intertwined uh, in the way that Paul thinks about them. And I just wanted to take you through three scriptures just to show us where hope, faith, and love work together at this time. And so the first one is probably a well-known scripture, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. And there it tells us that now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. These three work together. In the end, we have faith, hope, and love. Now, why is love the greatest? We don't have time for that whole teaching today, but simply because love is eternal. Love is going to be in the future kingdom of God. Love will be in heaven, whereas faith and hope are very much virtues or aspects that we need for this life as we follow Christ. But those three work together, faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest because it is eternal. There's two other interesting scriptures in the book of 1 Thessalonians. The scriptures will come up on the screen for you. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul writing there says, We remember before our God, our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in Jesus Christ. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But here we have faith, which is based, it says our works based on faith. These works are done in, as we respond to what God has done for us. Faith is always responsive in the sense. God has saved us and we live our lives. We do certain works. We live our lives in a way in response to what God has done. So there's faith. But the motivation for these works, the motivation for these, uh, uh, the text just says labor is the love of God. It's not self-effort. It's not self-will. It's the love of God. And then it's interesting that hope is what inspires endurance. Hope is what keeps us going. So these three working together in that way. Just later on in the book of Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul writes again and he says, Since we belong to the day, so since we are followers of Christ, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now I know in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Here he talks about love and faith in this role to protect us. It's interesting for me that Hope is linked to our heads, to the helmet of salvation. Salvation is what produces hope for us. So faith, hope, and love in this sense go together. But what is the difference between faith and love? And it's interesting, as I started preparing the sermon, I found out that my thinking was quite mushy on this. When is it faith and when is it love? And I got a little anxious because I couldn't quite, you know, just sit down and type it and, you know, provide some clear direction for you. So I had to read up on it a little bit. And the more I read, the more I realized, actually, they're so intertwined. That's why I've said faith, hope, and love go together. That, in a sense, it kind of doesn't matter whether you're hoping or whether it's faith because they all work together. It's particularly in this space, if you go online, which uh, you'll find that people have different views on this. Some say you must have faith to have hope. Others say you must first have hope to have faith. And it gets actually quite confusing. And so as I read, perhaps the best way I can distill it for you is as simply as this. Faith trusts, hope expects. Faith trusts, 
but hope expects. Now, perhaps that's oversimplifying it a little bit, but it's really just helpful to do it. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to boarding school. And often what would happen when the school holidays came, you know, kind of the week before you go and your parents come to fetch you, uh, one of the things my mom would often do is ask me uh, what meals she would, uh, I would like her to prepare for me. I think part of it was she really loved me and wanted to treat me and my brother. And part of it was just a guilt that she'd sent us away to hostel, I suppose, and she couldn't look after us. Um, but I had a particular meal that my mom made, which was to this day still one of my favorite meals. It was a stew, which kind of over the years evolved into like a delicious tomato bready. Now, in terms of this, I would have faith that within one or two days of coming home, because I knew my mom and trusted her, I could expect that the meal would be made. I could have faith to trust her that the meal would be made. But hope was that expectation of the meal and the mouth-watering uh, uh, looking forward to that this is going to become. And so it's a little bit the same with faith and hope in God. We trust God because of who He is, what He has said and what He has done. But we also put our hope, we expect that God will fulfill all His promises and provide for us uh, the provision, the blessing and the future that He speaks of in the Scripture. You could say that faith deals a little bit more with the past and the present and that hope is a lot more future orientated. But as I'll show you later, even though hope is future orientated, it still has a role and a relevance for the present life. But faith is a little bit more about what God has done and is doing. Hope is a little bit more about what God is going to do. And so faith, hope and love, by the way, are all rooted in the nature and the character. Or they're all rooted or based in the nature and the character of God. God is love. We respond to him in faith and we have hope because of what he has said. And so because our hope is rooted in God, we can have a confident expectation. We can hope confidently because we know the one who has made the promises. Psalm 25 verse 3 tells us that no one in hope speaking to God, it says no one who hopes in you, no one who hopes in God will ever be put to shame because he's reliable, trustworthy and true. The verse goes on and says, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. But no one who relies on God will be put to shame. It's a, God is a worthy source of putting our hope in. And so faith, hope, and love often go together. Faith expects, faith trusts, hope expects. So why did I say that the world is hopeless? My message was about hope in a hopeless world. Well, two, two aspects of that. Firstly, any system, any system in the world, any government, any empire, any civilization, any system of thought other than God and his view of life and his truth is actually hopeless in the sense of being helpless. It cannot sustain and deliver the promises it makes in the long term because the kingdoms of this world, the systems of this world won't last because they're based on human wisdom and also out of a fallen nature and a sinful motivation most often. And so the world is hopeless in that it cannot offer a substantially real future that will last. It might offer some good plans for an election cycle. It might offer some good plans for a generation. It might offer some ideal views of the future. But what we find in all the systems of the world, all the philosophies, all the empires, all the kingdoms is, they may last a while, but ultimately they won't stand. So in that sense, the world is hopeless and helpless. But I also said that the world is helpless, hopeless, sorry, 
because the world cannot provide true, substantive, real hope. The world is without hope. We cannot trust or hope in what the world has to offer. A couple of scriptures that just speak to this for us. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Ephesians 2 verse 12. Paul writes and he says, Remember at that time you were separate from Christ. So when people are separate from Christ, in particular the people Paul is writing to are excluded from the citizenship of Israel. They're not part of the nation of Israel. And therefore they are foreigners to the covenants and promises. And because they were separate from Christ, Paul says they were without hope and without God in the world. Very simply put, without, where there's no God, there's no hope. There's no real hope where there's no God. Paul very clearly indicates that for us in the scripture. And so one of the reasons the world is hopeless is because the world often goes on and denies the reality and the existence and the primacy of God in creation. The Bible also offers us some other valuable perspectives on what we should not place our hope in because these things are part of the world's system. Two scriptures to look at here. The first one is in Psalm 146 from verse 3 to 5. Psalm 146, verse 3 to 5. The psalmist writes and he says, Do not put your trust in princes and in, in human beings who cannot save you. When their spirit departs, when they die, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. But verse 5 says, in contrast, Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord our God. And so we have this contrast between people who put their hope in God and people who put their hope in other people. People die. People are finite. Their ideas, their systems, their plans often die with them, might continue for a generation or two. But ultimately, they're temporary and they will not stand. I think this verse also says we shouldn't trust in human institutions. We shouldn't put our hope in human institutions. We, we're very good in South Africa. We have this interesting thing. We always, when something's going wrong, we always go, the government must fix it. And we could have an interesting discussion around active, citizens, active citizenry, sorry, and I think that's an important topic. But I think just in terms of hope, we can't put our hope in the government. It's a man-made system. Does the government have responsibility? Should we hold them to account? Yes, but we should not put our hope in them because they ultimately are temporary. Maybe they last as long as an election cycle or two, but that's a man-made system. We cannot put our hope in the systems or the patterns of this world, whether that's the government, international aid organizations, whatever it is. So we can't trust human systems. We can't trust things that rely just on people. That's why biblical hope is so important, because it relies on God, not on ourselves and not on others. Another scripture where the Bible speaks about where we shouldn't put our hope is found for us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so again, here we have the contrast. Do you put your hope in the wealth, in the world's financial system? Do you put your hope in your salary? Or do you actually primarily put your hope in God? Now, I think if COVID has taught us anything, is that you know sources of income and industries that we thought were reliable and that we could hope in 
Well, perhaps not so much as we used to think two years ago. And so it's not good to put our hope in finances or material gain, in worldly wealth. You see, the world provides false hope. What's false hope? False hope is based on presumption. It's not based on something that's certain. You know, people can say what they think is going to happen in the future, but in reality, there's no future facts. People just don't know. We're not God and we can't see the future before it happens. And so we become presumptuous. What does presumption mean in the sense that I'm using it yet? It means that it's self-willed expectations, things that I would want to happen, things that I would want to see, that the world wants to, to see happening. And so false hope is often based on presumption, which sometimes leads to despair. Because when things we're hoping for to come true don't come true, in our here and now, we can become dangerously disappointed and disaffected. And I think we're seeing that around many nations in the world today where people are giving up on hope, where things that were promised to them, things that were made uh, to be as if they would be certain, are not so certain. And then people get disappointed and end up in despair, and desperate people become dangerous people. And so hope is very important. Now, in the Christian context, let's also be honest and say that we can give false hope. The Bible sometimes speaks to this. If we read books like Jeremiah in particular, where there were false prophets who were saying, no, we must hope for this and God will deliver us, when actually that isn't what God was saying. Uh, we can also do that in Christian circles where we base our hope on presumption, not on God's promises. We base our hope on presumption, not on God's promises. Now, sometimes... We hope for things because we need them, not because God said them. We hope for things because we need them, not because God said them. And so it's very important if we want to put our hope in things, we put them on, first of all, the clear biblical promises that are recorded for us in the Bible. But if we feel that God has given us a personal promise, we must make sure there's no presumption in that space. And so it's always good to check with brothers and sisters in the community and say, you know, I think God promised me this. Does this sound like something that would be true? And often our needs are aligned with what God wants. You need a job, God wants you to have a job. But I'm talking more a little bit about in that wants and desires space at this stage. And so we be, need to be careful that we don't base our, put our hope into false places. Now, biblical hope is three primary focus areas, okay? Uh, and I'm gonna look at them shortly and then perhaps uh, if I have opportunity, God willing to preach again on the 2nd of January, We'll get into these a little bit more. But for now, I just wanted to give three, well, it's actually five, but uh, the, the, the scholar I used, his name is Mounts. Uh, he grouped some of them together. And so I'm just going to present them as three categories for us in that space. Biblical hope is three focuses. Firstly, the return of Jesus. Uh, in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says that we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing in glory of the great God, our Savior and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the return of Jesus is a source of hope. How does that help me today? Well, if I look at the world in its fallenness, brokenness, selfishness, it's good to know that Jesus is gonna come back just like he promised he would, and he's gonna set things right. He's gonna recreate, he's gonna make a new heaven and a new earth, and he's gonna restore things or recreate things to be the way that God intended them to be. That gives me hope if I look at what's going on around me, not only to know that I can make a difference now because I have real hope, but also to know that this is not gonna be the way things are always gonna be. Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna fix it, if I may use such utilitarian language. So our first area of biblical focus is the return of Jesus. The second one 
is the, our bodily resurrection from the dead. It gives me hope that one day I will be raised bodily by Jesus Christ. And in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15 is the chapter that speaks to this the most. But Paul also speaks in the book of Acts about being on trial for the hope he has in the resurrection of the dead. And so part of this fact that we will get new bodies and that we will have live eternally with God is a source for hope. So no matter what's going wrong or right in my body, I'm going to get a new one and it's going to get better. But I will be raised to live with God forever. So not only is God going to fix things, I'm going to be able to be in relationship and love him and be loved by him forever. And the third key area of biblical focus is what Mounts calls ultimate salvation, eternal life. And a, and a restored creation. Ultimate salvation, everything that God has promised about my salvation. So I am saved, but I'm also being saved. When Jesus comes back, that gets fully realized. Eternal life, as I've mentioned, to live with God forever, to be in his presence forever. And then a restored creation. And we can read some of that in scriptures like Galatians 5, Titus chapter 1 and chapter 3, and in Romans chapter 8. These are things that are still future for us, that give me hope that the earth can be restored, that the environment can be reset, that the, the ravages and the effects on created order will be undone. The world in its present form is not going to be like this forever. It's going to get remade, redone, and it's going to be made better. And so those are three important areas in terms of our long-term hope. They help me now to know that no matter what I'm going through at the present, God's got a plan that is better, wilder, wildly better, than I could ever hope, think, or imagine for the future, not only of me, but of the whole of humanity and for the whole of created order. So why is biblical hope important? We have these three focus areas, but why is biblical hope in particular important? And I'm just going to mention about four different things. As I mentioned, there's many scriptures in the Bible that speak to that. There's just no time to get into all of them. But I thought just to highlight four aspects of why hope is important for me and for you today. So first of all, hope is an anchor for our souls. Hope is an anchor for our souls. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 uh, reads as follows. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. It tells us very clearly that hope is an anchor for our soul. Now, in the context of Hebrews 6, the author of the Hebrews, of the letter to the Hebrews, is actually writing about the, God's promises and the certainty that God's promises will come true. And he says to us that that is an anchor for our soul. No matter what's happening with waves of pandemic, no matter what's happening with restrictions or not happening with restrictions, no matter what's happening with my hope, whether it's going up or down like a wave on the sea, I have an anchor that holds me in place that Jesus will return. Things will change and get better and Jesus will restore and God will keep every good promise that he has made. That is an anchor that holds me no matter what I'm going through. Loss of a loved one, success at a job or a project, I have an anchor that keeps my focus, my future focused on God's promises. So hope is an anchor for the soul. Hope is also a source of motivation and strength. The well-known scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, the NIV translation says. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hope in God gives us motivation and strength to carry on. But we have to find it in God, not in ourselves. 
hope also leads to holiness. This is interesting. Because I have a hope that Jesus will return, and part of that hope is that there will be a judgment both on the living and the dead, on the believers and the unbelievers, hope leads to holiness. You can read about this in 1 John chapter 2 uh, from verse, sorry, 1 John chapter 3 from verse, verse 2 and 3 together. 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3. Uh, John writes and he says, We are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been known, known to us. So we don't fully know, we don't have all the details about our future. John writes, but he says, but what we do know is that when Christ appears, we will be like him. And that's enough to give me hope that I will have a new body similar to what happened with Jesus. For we shall see him as he is. And then in verse 3, John writes and he says, all those who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I'm a prisoner of the hope that Jesus will return, which means I need to give an account for my life which means then that I purify myself and I try and order my life to align with God's standards, to align with God wants me, with what, what God wants me to be. It's interesting in 1 John um, 2 verse 3, it says, all who have the hope. This is not just for religious professionals, those who are called the super saints. All who hope in Jesus align their lives and purify themselves and allow holiness to develop in our lives. So a very real sense, my present is conditioned by my future hope. The way I behave, think, and feel in the present is conditioned by my future hope. And then the last one just to share with you is that hope inspires endurance. We referred earlier to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, where it says that, uh, that endurance is inspired by hope. Hope is what keeps me keeping on. Hope is what helps me get out of bed and know that there is a better world coming, that there's a difference that can be made by myself now in this world. We spoke uh, through the month of October, November about fruitfulness on the front lines. That is a hope that I can make a difference on my front line, wherever that is. In my front line, whatever I might be doing, my hope is that I can bring Jesus there in some measure and in some form, as we discussed in that series. So we become then, as I close, agents of hope to a hopeless world. We become agents of hope in a hopeless world. We can have a hope that because God's kingdom is coming, that communities will ultimately be transformed, but that I can play an active role in transforming my community now. I can play an active role in transforming my front line now. We can bring a change in our world because God is the one who's directing and bringing that change. It's in the sense that when I got born again, I became a new creation. And as an agent of the new creation, I try and bring God's order, God's creation, God's heaven, God's earth into my present space and existence. And so I call others to join me because I have hope in bringing mercy and justice in this world in the measure that I can, because one day mercy and justice will be fully realized in this world. So there's hope to transform communities. But I wonder how your hope is doing today, where your hope level is at. Perhaps you're up and going and you really, your resilience levels are high and you know God's going to get us through this and the day will come when we don't need to wear masks anymore or worry about vaccinations, whichever way you worry about that at this time. Because there is a kingdom coming. As sure as you can see me on your screen today, as sure as it is that God's kingdom will be coming. But perhaps your hope is a little low today and you need to have your mind refreshed about the promises of God about a better heaven, a better life, a better existence that is coming. 
There's an important verse in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 that speaks into this area of hope. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Paul writes and he says, May the God of hope, such an interesting concept, the God of hope, God is hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. So there is this element where I can set my mind on things above and that can produce hope in me. But there is also this element that the God of hope, by the power of his Spirit, who lives in me, can generate hope inside of me. You know, the New Testament speaks of the Holy Spirit as being a deposit of things that are yet to come in future. And so the reality of the Holy Spirit in my life just automatically gives me hope. But beyond that reality, there can be an impartation, an empowering of hope that comes by the Spirit of God. And that can bring us to a place of joy and peace. Hope brings joy and peace. And so no matter where you are on whatever hope scale today, this is my prayer for you, that by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and works through us, our hope, my hope, your hope can overflow. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that everything you have said about my future, about the future of the world, is true and that it's certain. And today I put my hope in that, that you've got a good plan for my life, but also for my community and for this world. That things will get better, that things are not as they should be and they're not going to stay that way either. But Lord Jesus, I also know that there's people who are listening today who need their hope refreshed. And so I want to pray, and if you're comfortable as you're watching, just won't you open your hands towards heaven. And Lord Jesus, my prayer is just that by the power of your Spirit, as is said in the Scripture, we may each overflow with hope. I pray that you stir hope within us, whether that's reminding us of a promise, whether that's bringing joy and peace in our lives, that there is hope for a better future. There is hope for a brighter future, a better existence. And so won't you come, Holy Spirit, in each of our hearts, in each of our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, on our front lines, and stir up hope in us so that we can go into this world overflowing with hope, not just enough for us to have joy and peace, but overflowing so that others can share in the joy and peace that you bring in our lives through your Spirit. And so I pray in Jesus' name that your kingdom would come in us, that your kingdom would come through us, and that we can be agents of hope. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Should you want some prayer, some details will come up on the screen in the banner for you now. Please email us there and we'll be sure to get you connected to the right person or be sure that your request is prayed for. Just two announcements as we, as we end the service. Now, firstly, please remember this coming Saturday, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting our Christmas service online. We're going to share a short message there about the hope that Jesus brings because he came to earth. So Christmas Day service online at 8 o'clock. And then please remember all our other services through until the 9th of January. So including the 2nd of January, we're all going to be online. We've got some good worship, some good words coming. Uh, Pastor Louis will be sharing on, with us this coming Sunday on the 26th, but everything online 
in that space. God bless you in the week and may the God of hope give you an overflow of the hope that you need to be an agent, a witness for him in your front line this week. God bless you.